0: Awesome. Well, let's play a game. We're going to play like spot the similarities. I'm going to run through some scriptures, and your job is to try to see the themes. Is that okay if we do something that engages your frontal cortex? Is that okay? I know you're all coming off of um, Disney Plus comas, but you'll be okay. All right. James. James. 1, starting in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various, sorry, meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So this is your baseline verse. Okay, This is your first picture. And then we'll see if we can build um, some similarities here. Okay, Romans. 5 verse 1 Therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us Hmm, thinking? Don't say anything. Don't venture a guess. You could be wrong. In public even. And that would probably be the end of your life. I feel like I'm feeding back a little bit. Is that my, my fault? I could be doing it to myself. Just me. And that's why it really hurts. Obscure musical reference? Anybody? Nobody? Somebody? Okay. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And we'll do one more. Are you starting to build a, a picture here of the similarity? Some of these things are just like the others. I'm changing that song a little bit. Some of these things are totally the same. Awesome. One more. Hebrews chapter 12, starting verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If someone had to venture one of the similarities between all these passages, what would you shout out in public? Okay, joy. Joy is definitely showing up a lot there. And what else? Steadfastness. Steadfastness. That's good. Great. Suffering. Who shouted that out inappropriately, angrily? There we go. <laughs> Suffering and joy. And an encouragement from many different places to find joy in the midst of hardship. And I pulled these four passages from actually different authors from the New Testament. Because I want to make the point that um, James and Paul and Peter and whoever wrote Hebrews all thought it was very important for them to communicate to their group of believers that part of being a Christian and following Christ meant finding the way to hold on to joy, to find new joy, and to grow in joy, even in the midst of hard things. So the message this morning is called The Apostolic Mindset. Joy plus, have you figured that one out yet? It's a sound mind. Okay? And this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Give me one sec here. All right. So next month is sound mind, but today is the transition. Does anybody want a shirt? Yeah, there you go. I would recommend washing it. (laughs) All right. Now we're kind of playing around, having a little fun, also having that sense of dread. But the reason I'm talking about this is because I think that one of the most healthy things anybody can do for their brain. Is find a way to have an apostolic mindset. To hold on to hope and joy and a good attitude when things are going bad. This is one of the soundest parts of a sound mind. Is to expect trouble. And to expect joy in trouble through Jesus. And if you want everything inside your dome to be painful, to be rough, to not help your body. Just don't imagine that you could have joy when things are bad. Despair, that'll kill you. Hopelessness, that'll wreck you. Throw in anxiety back like So many Lindor chocolates on a regular basis. That will scramble the eggs. But it's normal. It's normal to be really rocked by bad things. It's normal to lose hope. And that's why we are called and taught by the power of the Holy Spirit to embrace rejoicing during hard times. Joy for the sake of a sound mind when things are tough. So if I can humbly ask, if this could be a bit of a hors d'oeuvres message for a month full of um, talking about sound-mindedness, I think for some of us this might be the most important month in our nine months of looking through the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I think for some of us this might be the most important month in January, so if you aren't here you can grab it online, but... um, we live in a time where it's technically illegal to be in reality. <laughs> so, holding on to sound mindedness is the fight of our age. And trusting that Jesus can be our joy or give us joy, even when things are not how we'd want them, is your uh, superpower pills, for sure, for sure. So just using James chapter 1, count it. So counting means think about it as joy. Uh, Add it up to joy. Put it into the joy column. Um, Think of things this way. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so right now, somebody wants to pick up a brick and throw it at James because obviously he's insensitive and doesn't understand what we're going through and would never say that if he knew. Let's just remind ourselves that James, um, as an apostle, had seen major church persecution that would have involved people he knew getting publicly killed, and so he's not a slouch. He's seen stuff, and he's been through stuff, and he's seen brothers and sisters do well through trials and do well through persecution and he's seen brothers and sisters fall apart through trials and fall apart through persecutions and so he starts off his letter with this call. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. Now why is this hard? Does anybody find this hard? Yeah? This is like... you. You know, it's January, and so people who make their living by sitting around on computers are like, now it's the time, we're going to take this bod, we're going to, the thing and the thing and the thing and the thing, and then you try something, and then you're broken for a month, because you're so out of shape that even trying, your body's like, no, stop it, don't even. So... It's easy if you're feeling good to be like, yeah, I'm gonna count stuff as joy when hard stuff comes. And then what happens when hard stuff comes? This verse is gone. This verse is gone. And then we're into the imprecatory Psalms, God kill my enemies, or we're praying for the end times, you know, something bad happens, and oh, I think I see someone coming on the cloud, oh, oh no, that just is just the stuff coming out of lone windows, it's not the end times, or oh, whatever. But hard times come and it fries us, it rattles us. Why is this so hard? Why is it hard to just say, okay, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help me to grow in this in great ways. One reason is fear. Like if you say yes to growing in this, you know what's going to happen, right? You're going to have opportunities to grow in this. And I don't want that. The future, I just want a good future. I just want cloud cuckoo land. So there's fear of the future that can happen. I actually find that for me personally, the more I have seen Jesus get me through stuff, um, having grown in my relationship with him and grown as a person, the more I am not afraid of the future. Because technically, since Jesus came back from the dead as my Lord, nothing can happen that he can't get me through. Technically, killing him was the worst thing that the world could do. And it didn't work. So technically, in reality, nothing can happen to us that Jesus can't raise us from the dead from. It just doesn't feel like that. It, and it hurts. So let's take fear of the future and say, Actually, my fear of the future will get better when I believe I can grow through any trial. What about frustrations or anger? This is a reason why we think this is hard. Sometimes you can think if I say yes to this kind of theology, then I'm not going to get what I want. True? Um, I'm not sure C.S. Lewis would approve of this. Okay, But somebody did put out a C.S. Lewis Bible. This is the thing about dying, is that you don't get a say in what people do with your books often, or at least after 50 or 60 years, then it's um, public, and then they, they really can do anything. So I'm not sure that C.S. Lewis would approve of the C.S. Lewis Bible, but I went for it anyways. And uh, So, of course, the reading this morning was talking about frustrations. And it was an excerpt from the book uh, Screwtape Letters. Has anybody read that? It's really good. So I would, I would recommend it. The idea is that an older demon is counseling a younger demon how to ruin somebody's life. And the counsel was if you can get your subject to not just think of what happens in the day as, as just something that, that he can do with the Lord, but as something robbing him of what he could have done with his free time, if he'd been able to do whatever he wanted to, then you'll really wreck his day. If you can take what actually happens and convince people that this is somehow robbing them of something they deserved to happen that was different, they can be miserable forever. When in reality, nobody owns a minute of their life for themselves. Anybody ever fall into that trap? If I could just, you know, this phone call, this email, this bucket of puke, it's robbing me of the day I could have had. No, you only have the day God gives you. So you could say, I don 't want to count it all joy, because I, I, I'm just saying yes to frustrations. No, being frustrated with what happens is actually separate from and increased by an unwillingness to count whatever happens as something to rejoice in in Jesus somehow. Another thing that we find this hard is um, just the affliction, just the pain. Anybody here hate pain? Pain's the worst. A little bit of pain and you can think like, yeah, I'm growing. But then a lot of pain or unwanted pain, unchosen pain. If you choose pain, I, I, I don't want to go to the dentist, but the drilling is better than the, what's happening. So you choose it so it's a little bit better. But unchosen pain, sometimes it can just turn your brain off. And who wants pain? Well, uh, Jesus did. And because of that, we go to heaven. So all of these things, fear of saying yes to joy, the frustration of not getting what you want and feeling like you're saying yes to pain, all of these things can give us a bad attitude about an apostolic mindset, but it doesn't have to. Your choice. What is to be gained instead? I've got six points here. Each point is about ten minutes. Do the math. Just kidding. We're going to run through this, and I challenge you to uh, add your own thoughts about these things. I have a new preaching Bible, so I'm also going to try to break it in this morning. So how do you do this, and why should you do this, are almost the same thing. You'll grow in saying yes to the process of finding joy in trials when you understand why it's awesome to do this. Number one, you get to know Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He's writing about his life of just loss after loss after loss, many of them intentional, and he says this. For Jesus' sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which depends through, that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death, that by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. We just had a testimony from Carla up here saying, All these hard things that have happened in the last while at the school in Mexico have actually refined who I know God to be. He isn't actually a harsh taskmaster that always is adding more than I can do. You know God better. You're getting Jesus, Carla. It's not easy. It's not fun. It doesn't feel good. But this is why we live. To know Jesus is the best part of life. It is not to crush your enemies and see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of the women. That is not what is best in life. To know Christ is the best part of life. Thought number two. We are changed to be like Jesus. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Again, I'm just trying to run in different parts of scripture so that you can not think to yourself, if I just never read Romans 5, I'll never have to deal with this. This is right after the part I read before. Consider him who from sinners endured such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. This is the one of the crazy things about being a Christian. You and I have no idea who we are. Only God knows who we are. And to get us from who we currently might be to who God knows who we can be requires discipline and trial and hardship and some suffering. We are like a big, rough-cut block of marble, and inside of it Jesus says, there's a Michelangelo's David. I just need to hit him with a chisel 15,000 times. And then it'll be amazing. But the son you are and the daughter you are and who you could be and what you are meant to be and all you are meant to become is on the other side of fatherly discipline through trial. And the way we say yes to it is through some joy in Jesus. Number three, we become credible in our witness. Let me find my third little thing here. Thank you very much. All right. Paul writing to the Philippians earlier in this letter. He says, Only let your matter of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or not, because he's in jail, he doesn't know if he's going to get killed, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. What Paul is saying there is when you suffer and smile, it's the sign that you are a real Christian and the fakers around you are toast. So I've got a friend who loves basketball. He's hardcore into basketball, like he's a baller. He's on a team, has hardly got to play basketball on his team for a long time because of persistent injury. But he still goes to practice, still a part of the team, still serving, still encouraging. And every time he shows up, while he can't have the fun of playing and the court time of playing and the stats of playing, He proves he's a real basketball guy. And he's not just out there for whatever else people could be out there for. He's a real teammate by showing up when he can't play. And when we keep doing Jesus, even when no one can see why, We are a credible witness to Christ. But if we're fair-weather friends and only show up when everything's nice and the payout is right, can't someone say, maybe you're still faking it? Yes, they can. And they do. They do. They do. So Paul says, if you suffer with Jesus with a smile, you're going to win and your enemies are toast. Which, again, is a bit of that apostolic sharp edge that we feel less comfortable with sometimes. But Thought number four. We become more useful to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Here's a truth. Almost every hard thing you go through will make you a blessing to somebody else someday. And I know right we're in the midst of it. I had a friend years ago who said, I don't want to be this much of a blessing. (laughs) And yes, when the chisel is on your face, it doesn't feel good. But when the master is done with you, you will be so much more useful and fruitful and wise and compassionate and loving and able to bear through with things, with people, than than if you just had a great life and were easy and always got high score on Tetris. Think about that when you go through something hard, that someday, and probably sooner than you think, you can be an instrument of the blessings of God and the comforts of Christ coming to somebody else. And you can be happy about that. Or at least find some balm for your wounds in the midst of suffering. Number five, and this is probably the most important one, you you can get resurrection power. I'm probably going to come close to heresy on this next little bit, but you'll have to bear with me. Give me the benefit of the doubt. So Second Corinthians, Apostle Paul is describing his life again and how it is just such a mixture of horrible things and holy things, painful things and powerful things. And um, one time he had a vision of Jesus that was so realistic that he didn't know if he was actually in heaven or on earth seeing heaven. It was just he couldn't tell. The price of the revelation for him was that God actually gave him some kind of affliction that he called like a messenger from Satan so that he didn't become proud. Anybody ever have something good happen to you in church and that then you think you're better than everybody else? (laughs) I don't see any hands. No, no, what have I done? It's very normal to get a blessing and then feel like you're better. It's just very normal. It's so normal that God didn't even think the Apostle Paul was invulnerable to that temptation. So he said, here is an amazing blessing if you get to like come to heaven for a bit and hear things you're not even allowed to tell people. I often think about when people go to heaven and they do like kiss and tell and they tell everything they've seen. I'm like, I'm not sure you went to the same heaven Paul went to. Whatever, I'm not judging. I just think thoughts. Just half my problem. Anyhow, he writes this about this this painful thing. He says three times I pleaded with the Lord that it about this that it should leave me, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness." And Paul didn't want to believe this. He did pray about it three times at least. The first time he heard that, he's like, uh, "No deal. Okay, let's keep negotiating here." And Um, Jesus, well, sometimes he does negotiate, but not in this case. So Paul learns his lesson, and then he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly, so there's joy, of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think there is something as Christians that we can miss. That when things are going wrong, we kind of have a right to go to God and say, Make this work for resurrection power, then, Jesus. We're almost supposed to trade in our calamity and get resurrection bucks. And this is the heresy. Because it's by grace. But if you're having trial, you are accumulating things that you can say, Okay, God, I accept this from you. Please turn this into impossible power. And this is the thing about resurrection power. It is power that nobody else has. It's not the same as financial power where you're a billionaire and then you can buy all the medicine that you could ever afford to go to the Mayo Clinic for and fix your body. It's not the same as political power where you can get into high office and then all of a sudden all your enemies are falling out of windows or going online and saying, I'm not mentally ill and then deleting themselves and all these things that these people do nowadays once they get into high office. It's not the same. This is impossible things where God Himself gets off His throne and comes down to your life and does what no one could do while you are too weak to do it for yourself. And that's the offer. As a believer of Christ, if you will be glad in Jesus while you're in the midst, He will get off His throne to do what no man could do for you and through you. And that is worth an arm wave, brother and sister. Yeah. But this we it when we're in the pain, we forget the deal. Thought number six, we gain a reward. Second Corinthians four. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And that's that thing. This is that mindset. Don't you want a heart that's getting better every year, even if your body's getting worse every year. This is the thing. This is the mindset. Oh, man, you know, they're... I think the guy I get these shirts made from is is shrinking his mediums because they're not fitting the same December 31 like they did September 7. I'm just saying, it's not me. It can't be me. This thing is not getting much better than it is right now. But this thing and this thing can keep getting better and better. Knowing that these light and momentary afflictions are earning for us an eternal reward or a weight of glory that far outweighs it all. So, I'm going to invite the band up and we can pray but I want to just encourage us and call us and invite us into this impossible life of saying, Holy Spirit, lead me in the paths of joy in the midst of every trial. Fulfill your desire for me as a son and daughter of God to have this apostolic mindset where I too can embrace the cross that is before me, despising its shame for the joy that you set before me so that you can raise me up and seat me on the throne with Christ. If you've gone through something that's just plaguing you, maybe it's time to say, Jesus, I want every powerful thing out of that experience that you intend for me in it, and I'm looking for you to do the impossible whether it's past or trauma or hurt or hardship or calamity, to take it out of your heart and put it onto the altar and say, fulfill Second Corinthians 12 and let me see the power of God working through weakness. Because we believe. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.